today on RE Snapshots, we're speaking with Development Officer Glenn Reithmuller from the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in Western Australia about spray swathing and desiccating canola for ryegrass seed set control. But firstly, Glenn, how are you going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Jess. Yes, it's uh, been a, not a bad or a cool sort of period in the, in the harvest here at the moment. I've just harvested my long-term trial the other day and it was... Uh, higher yielding than I thought it was going to be, so 2.7 tonnes was uh, really good. The late rain really did help the, the wheat here, so yeah. Excellent to hear. Now, Glenn, we're going to be speaking about this swathing and desiccating of canola for ryegrass seed set control, and you set up a number of GRDC-funded trials to collect data on this subject. How did you go about setting up the study? Well, this was back in 2010 through to 13, and I had uh, other colleagues... Uh, Bill Hashem and Catherine Borgia on this project as well and so was mainly targeting the uh, application of uh, sprayers on swathers because at the time growers were starting to do that but there was no registered products to do that. So we started working with New Farm for a start and they gave us some product to try to go under the swather and some timing work. We couldn't really do much with that at the time because nothing was registered but we did record the ryegrass, germinable ryegrass I suppose at harvest time so we collected the seeds from each treatment and then had them germination tested and Catherine then did the tetrazoleum chloride test on the uh, some of the ryegrass seed that doesn't germinate because it, it could be just dormant so uh, just doing a straight germination test at harvest is not, not necessarily the best so including the dormant seed you get the, uh, the total viable uh, ryegrass seed and um, we used a, um, a commercial swather, a 25-foot or 7.6-metre swather, and bought a commercial kit for spraying on the swather so that you have nozzles out the sides of the swather at the back and also a set underneath the swath so the whole area is covered uh, with spray. And those, the nozzles uh, on that sprayer, they were Floodjet TK.75, so they're quite a coarse nozzle, but you could still see even on a even though it was a really very coarse uh, uh, dropper pattern, you could still see that little bit of drift. So uh, uh, I guess you can't always stop total drift, but um, it didn't look too bad. But you could see it in some of the videos that I did that uh, you could just see a little bit of drift coming yeah. off, and even though they were very coarse novels. Interesting. And what were the results when it came to spraying under the swather with glyphosate and diquat? Generally, it was very good. It works, it works a treat, which is, I guess, why growers were wanting to do that, particularly in the, those first years. In 2010, we had uh, you know, great results with the, the glyphosate, and you know we reduced the, the viable seed set by 45% in 2010 and 33% in, at Mount Barker in 2011. But in 2013, we dropped it by about 96%. So there's a bit wow. of variability in, in the yeah. season. Yeah, I think uh, whether it's the stage of ryegrass. Unfortunately, at the time we were targeting the stage of the canola, so we're watching for the for the swathing and also desiccation of canola. We were watching for the development of the canola, and not necessarily taking. Uh, I didn't take a lot of great notice of the stage of the ryegrass, unfortunately. So uh, that that could be the reason why we get a bit of variability in between yeah, the years. Sure, sure. And what about the desiccation with diquat? What were the results there? Yeah, well, desiccation of dicoid has been registered for for a long time, and it actually did reduce the ryegrass as well. In 2010, it knocked it down by 65%, and 2013 by 88%. But 
but not at all in 11 and 12, 2011 and 12. And I think that might be because the timing was a bit too late for the rhinos. Yeah, okay. um, by the time we put the desiccation treatment on at about that 80%, 70 to 80% seed colour change, it was, might have been a bit too late for the ryegrass. Like I said, we were targeting the, the canola stage rather than the ryegrass stage at the cool. time. And so maybe it was just a bit too late for the, uh, the diquat to, to do the job on the ryegrass in, the, in 11 and 12, but uh, the other years was impressive. Yeah, okay. And what about the herbicide rates? What were most effective there with water and herbicide rates? The last year we used Weedmaster DST from New Farm because it is now registered for uh, for this work on swathers and desiccation, and we used above two litres tended to reduce the um, ryegrass substantially. In, in I think uh, actually yes, in we reduced it by 96 percent in 2013 at Katanning, so it was a, a big reduction there, and that's spraying at the at the 20 uh, percent stage, like is on the label, uh, colour change. You know, that's pretty impressive. And the water rate was an interesting one. We thought part of the problem could be that we're not getting penetration into the canopy down to the down to the ryegrass at the soil surface. So we thought, right, we'll try some upping the water rate because the standard water rate for or maximum water rate for a lot of these glyphosate products is say around 80. And we thought, right, oh, we'll go up to 120 and also down to 40 just for fun. <laughs> and the interesting thing was that the higher water rate was actually a little less control than the, than the low water rate. In fact, yeah, the, right. the lowest water rate sort of hinted as towards the best control. Not, not quite, but just, uh, just the opposite of what I was thinking, I suppose. And it could be because of the dilution of the surfactant, because we didn't add any more surfactant in there when we put the water rate up. So right. whether that was part of that problem. But okay. yeah, it was just interesting that uh, the higher water rate wasn't uh, as good as I thought it was going to be. So are there further plans to do further trials on this topic, Glenn? Uh, I haven't at the moment and, uh, yeah, I don't know of any projects looking at it uh, directly but I suppose a lot more people are looking at desiccation just over the top yeah. uh, now and uh, perhaps there does need to be some work looking at the ryegrass stage as well as just the canola stage. But the stage of canola is an interesting one too because there was, a, I think on the label it still says to uh, select the pods on the main stem and check them for colour change. Well, I found at uh, Mount Barker, majority of the pods were all, were on the branches rather than on the main stem. So yeah, right. I was taking more of an average of the uh, the whole plant. And I think some work in New South Wales has confirmed that too. That if you go too early basing on the main stem, you're going to compromise your yield from all the the branches. At Catanning, there's there's a little bit less of the branching than there was at Mount Barker. But yeah, I, I tend to think that uh, that main stem idea is, is probably fine for Canada, but not so good for us here, I don't think. I know that's a really interesting point. Okay, Glenn, so what are the key takeaways then from this research? All the treatments of desiccation with, with glyphosate or diquat all can have an effect on your ryegrass, so it's all good news that way. And probably the, the main effect was uh, there was no reduction in, in yield or oil content, which is the other thing people concerned about with desiccation treatments. So with, with that not being a problem, it was fine. The only thing we did record one year, for, for some reason there was slightly smaller seed when we used diquat one year, but okay. generally the oil and yield was all the same. And of course if you're going to keep seed for uh, sowing yourself, then of course you don't use anything that's been uh, treated with glyphosate because it might uh, affect your germination. Sure.
All right, great points. There was one more thing I just might mention. Whatever growers do, please do not ever use paraquat on canola. I mean, it's it's registered on lupins and whatever because the lupins have a very thick pod, but canola with a thin pod, the paraquat penetrates that pod and it will get on the seed so easily. So please do not ever use paraquat on canola. Excellent advice, Glenn, and thank you for giving us such a great overview of the research yourself and your team did. And, yeah, really good information there. Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, Jess.